Good morning. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. As it is with any series, particularly a little more of a topical ser- topical-ish series where we're kind of bouncing, well, where we're not doing verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Uh, we too, still in a series like this, try to build upon the themes and the teachings of other passages in that series. So with today, there's going to be a lot of uh, Mark 10, 42 through 45, coming through into this sermon as well. So I'm not going to quote Mark 10, 42 through 45, but if you did renovate us, I had you go ahead and read it again. And we're going to read it again here in just a few moments because it has lots of impact on this sermon and this uh, topic as well. But our primary text for today will be Luke 5, 12 through 16. But let's begin... Just keep, leave your fingers there and listen to me as I read Mark 10, 42 through 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Notice this correlation between seeking one's greatness and ruling it over and lording it over others. But then this juxtaposition with 43 and after, But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great, you see the great word here again, among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, right, the great one, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You need to keep that passage in the back of your mind as we talk today. Luke 5, 12-16, our primary text for this morning. We're just going to read 12 and 13. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these couple verses this morning, Father, may we see the gospel clearly from these two little verses and this one incredible story. But may we see it so that we might be changed for your glory and our good and the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I misspoke. My, my note says 12 through 16, and then I'm looking at this and I'm going, wait a second. It's 12 and 13. Uh, so just 12 and 13. We're not going to talk about 14, 15, or 16. You can read those later. For right now, there came a man full of leprosy. I know, you've, I'm sure if you've been in church for any measure of time, you've heard sermons about leprosy. You've heard thoughts and such about leprosy. So some of this may be new, some of it may not be. But for the sake of setting this up in the right way, 
I want to talk about a couple things concerning leprosy. First of all, I want to talk about the way the leper felt, the life and the experience and the circumstances of the leper, and then about how those around the leper felt, their experience, their, their uh, understanding and their way of life considering the leper. We won't do this exhaustively, but just for sake of conversation today, the, first of all, the way the leper felt. Leprosy was a filthy, deadly, disgusting disease. Leprosy was a disease that no one recovered from. Like there was no coming back from this disease. There was no, well, maybe we could just wait it out, or maybe there would be medication for this tomorrow, or maybe there was no coming back from leprosy. It was highly contagious, and it spread like wildfire. It was spread from person to person, oftentimes in just a touch. It would leave precious loved ones, family members, to live the rest of their lives as outcasts, lonely, away from their family, away from the ones they loved, Rosaria Butterfield said this, With a pop of white pus, a beloved family member overnight became abhorrent. Became separated. Think about the disparage in just a few hours of time from being loved and embraced and welcomed to being pushed aside, outcast, separated, isolated. Sometimes in just a matter of an eight-hour sleep in a dark room. Go to bed, fine, wake up the next morning, and life is different completely. As you see throughout the Scriptures, they would band together as outcasts without any hope, just waiting to die. When will my life end? The way the leper felt. What about those around the leper? People were afraid of them. Isolated themselves away from them and rejected them. We see in the Old Testament, the ceremonial law deemed the leper morally and physically unclean. And passages like Leviticus 13 and 14 dedicated completely and entirely to how do we deal with the leper We have to step up for a second and kind of look at the bigger picture. I, certainly this is the reality for, for many of those on, on both sides of dealing with leprosy. But you must look at the bigger picture. It was more than just a terrible disease. The idea of leprosy is more than just a terrible disease. This issue made them unfit to be in community and unable to participate in the worship of God. Read the Old Testament. See the picture, the picture that is painted with the disease of leprosy. Unfit to be in community, unable to participate in the worship of God. They were unable, right, to to make their way to the temple. 
separated from the people of God, separated from the worship of God. The first thing I want you to see from this passage in Luke is that Jesus was willing to serve the leper. Jesus was willing to serve the leper. I really just, I just have two points this morning. The first one being this. Jesus was willing to serve the leper. We need to see that Jesus changed the world by touching the leper. He changed the world by touching the leper. First, I wanted just to notice a couple things. What Jesus didn't do and what Jesus did do. First of all, what Jesus did not do in this story. He did not tell the leper that God loved and approved of him just the way he was. Jesus did not affirm and approve that the leper was loved just the way he was. Second, Jesus did not tell him that he needed to and how to subsequently think more highly of himself. Or how to hold his chin up and move forward. Jesus was not concerned with his self-esteem. Something else that Jesus didn't do, and I think it's worthy of noting, is that Jesus did not rebuke the faith community for upholding even irrational taboos against leprosy. Listen, the problem was the, here's a big word for you, the communicability of the disease. The fact that it spread like wildfire. That it would move from person to person. It was dangerous. So the fact that they were afraid of it, Jesus doesn't rebuke that. It was a disease worthy of staying away from. So what Jesus didn't do. Next, what Jesus did do. What Jesus did do. Now remember, remember, the disease could change a person overnight. It was disgusting, and it meant death. Inevitable death, separation from community and life and eventual death, and spread like a wildfire. And what does Jesus do in this passage? He touches him. He reaches out and touches the leper. I mean, this is, stop back for a second and think about this. This is insane. Like, this is crazy. Jesus, I can imagine those around him saying, Jesus, what are you thinking? You're a powerful leader with tons of influence. Now, if you notice in the book of Luke, this follows right after picking the disciples. And then what's he do? He goes and touches a leper, and all these disciples are going, whoa, 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 this is the king, this is the Messiah, this is the one to overthrow overthrow the leaders, the the king, the, the patriarchy, whatever it is. This is Jesus who's come to do this. Jesus, don't do it. You're a powerful leader. You have tons of influence. You have a job to do tomorrow. You have your list of phone calls to make and your kids to take care of at home. You have your bills you got to pay, Jesus. Jesus, you need your alone time. Or you have your kids' sports ball you got to get to. Jesus, what are you thinking? 
and he touches him. Remember, Jesus was, yes, he was God, but he was a man. He was a human being. There's nothing in the scriptures that say he was not susceptible to diseases. And he touches him. Someone said this. He touches a man who had not been touched since the plague ravaged his body. And he's now been touched by Jesus. Some of you know how this feels. I heard someone say recently, someone I've discipled, they repented in a developing friendship for something that they had done wrong. And the response from the person that they repented to said this, I'm so thankful. And then said these words or something to this effect. I've just never had a friendship like this. Let me rephrase that a little bit. I've never been touched by the joy of Christian friendship like this. To be touched in this way for the first time. More on this a bit in a bit, but some of you still don't know what this feels like. You see, if we are going to be like Christ, we must reach out and touch the leper And for this week's purposes, I want to think about the leper inside the camp. I want to think about the leper inside the body of Christ. Next week, we'll look at the leper outside the camp. This week, the leper inside the camp. We must reach out and touch the leper in the camp. I'm going to qualify this statement, so hang with me. But listen... If we're going to reach out and touch the leper in the camp, we have to do more than take someone a meal. Now, now listen, I don't the next time someone's sick or in the hospital, or whatever, then what, someone's going to go, oh, you know, well, you take them a meal, do the sign up, let's do all that. I'm not saying don't do that. But I want us to think beyond this. Listen, meals are great, but people need the gospel more than they need food. Take them food, but take them food and the gospel. When was the last time you had a conversation where you were encouraging someone to forsake their sin and turn to hopefulness in Jesus? When was the last time you had a conversation like that? I mean, it might have been this morning. If it was, praise God. It might have been yesterday or the day before. But how often do you have conversations with people where you're encouraging someone to forsake their sin and turn to hopefulness in Jesus? When was the last time you took someone's terrible situation and showed them the glory of Christ? It's one of the things I enjoy most about counseling. Sitting, you know, when I, when I first came in, started pastoral ministry, I had this idea of I'm just not going to do any counseling. I'm just going to preach and do other church leadership stuff and I'm not going to do any counseling. And God quickly changed my heart by His grace and 
for my good, but to sit across the table from someone and whether over that conversation, over the next series of conversations, to get to help them see the goodness of Christ and the glory of God in the midst of their sorrow or trouble is one of the most enjoyable things ever. When was the last time you sat with someone grieving and held their hand and told them of hope in Jesus? What about the last time you reached out to a brother or sister in Christ because you were concerned about what you perceive as potential sin in their life? Or do you stay away from them like the leper? What about the person that you just don't get along with? Are there, here's my question, are there too many sores on the outside of their body for you to get close to? Too afraid that the white pus of their leprosy might get all over your ego? If we're going to be like Christ, if we've been saved by Christ, going therefore live like Christ, we must reach out and touch the leper in the camp. Now let me talk about kind of maybe the other side of that. Some of you haven't been touched by the grace of community because you won't leave your leper colony. Some of you, it's, it's because you won't leave the colony of lepers to come be healed. You stay in the shadows of your sinfulness. You want everyone to think you have it together. But you are a mess and you know it. But instead of getting help, you hide. And like anyone would know, the best place to hide is among those who seem to have it together or think they have it together. Sure, you may have moments where you feel warm and fuzzy about God, but then you revert back to your colony of self. People around you try to come into your camp, but you run them out every chance you get built walls around your colony, walls of pride. Listen, in the church is both you need to reach out and touch the leper, but also as a leper you need to seek to be touched. There's both. You say, Matt, maybe you're pushing the text a little bit too far. Hang on a second. We'll get there. Healing, first of all, is what takes place when the Spirit of Christ goes from one person to the next, sometimes in something as simple as a touch. Sometimes, just to give some more practical practicality here, sometimes we touch others by repentance. Meaning not that we necessarily call them to repentance, although I think that's part of the picture here and a potential reality. Well, it really is a reality for all of us. If we're going to reach out and touch the leper, there's a measure of repentance involved. But I'm not talking about necessarily the repentance of the other person, but, but maybe you walking and doing more than saying I'm sorry, but seeking to help to make it right. The things and the people that we have wronged as a leper ourselves. But here's the reality, right? To serve the leper in the camp is to risk getting the disease, right? It's to risk getting the disease. 
me give you a warning here as we begin to talk about like the risk of touching the leper. First of all, it's never wise or acceptable to sin in order to touch the sinner. There's a great article I would encourage you to go read. And, and I hate that I even have to give this kind of warning, but it's pertinent to what we're talking about in the text and certainly pertinent to experience. There's a great article on the Gospel Coalition called The Broken Wolf. You've heard me mention this before. This is a person that comes to you broken about something. But there's this idea of this, so it's like this, think of this like leper who's a wolf. Leprosy upon a wolf. Three things in that article, and again, I'll let, let you go read it, but first of all, the, the, first of all, the reality is that they're authentic. They truly are broken people. But the problem is, because they are broken, they believe they have fresh insight into situations that the rest of those around them cannot see. That they, they somehow have a grasp on reality or the things that, that no one else can see, and it's because of their brokenness. They're authentic. Number two, they're beyond criticism. I mean, they may appear to take your criticism, but they use their brokenness as a shield to criticism. They use their leprosy, if you will, as a shield to criticism. How are they responding to criticism? Again, as we're thinking about reaching out and touching the leper, there's this danger of touching a, a wolf-like leper. I would, practically, I would encourage you practically to ask this question. Have they received criticism from those who are probably more willing to tell them the criticism they need to hear? And how are they responding to them? Number three, they're appealing. Why are they appealing? Why is this an appealing and dangerous thing for the church of God? Because like the great shepherd, we want to care for people. Right? We want to reach out and, and touch the leper. We want to take care of the brokenness of each person that comes into our lives. But the problem is, is that these people are not looking for healing through the gospel. They're looking for healing in some other means. Some other means. And they like to take people with them. So as we think about this idea of risk of getting the disease and reaching out and touch the leper, it cannot be without warning. It's not just, well, reach out and trust Jesus with everything else. No, it's reach out with wisdom from the Scriptures. Reach out with wisdom as we begin to touch the broken around us. Away from the warning now, there is great risk. Maybe more practical risks for many of us in this situation are more like, not more practical, more likely risks is that we risk losing our agendas when it comes to touching the leper. We risk getting the things done that we want to get done or we risk having our sin exposed in the process of touching 
the leper. We risk having our ego dismantled as we reach out and touch the leper. Some of this will make a little more sense as we get to point two, so just, just hang with me. You know, so often in the midst of counseling, the, the counselee usually doesn't know that this is happening, but, but God is working on my heart. Like, as, as I am reaching out and touching in someone's life, what's happening is God is working and exposing sinfulness and, and the ego and such inside of my own heart. See, what's happening is I'm reaching out to touch to the leper. My heart, my sin is being exposed at the same time. We realize as we begin to reach out and touch those that are broken around us, what happens is our idols begin to be exposed, right? Largely because it's hard to reach out and touch them. Because usually the way God designs it is so that it requires the sacrificing of your idols in order to reach out and touch the leper around you. To serve someone else, what what does the Mark passage tell us? To To serve someone else... You have to die to your greatness. You have to die to your ego, to your plans, to your such, if you're going to reach out and touch the leper. You're risking it. You're putting your greatness on the line. Listen, if you don't have greatness that's being put on the line in order to help the leper, I would at least pause and ask myself, who am I really serving in this moment? I think we have to ask this question, how will we ever serve the leper? How will we ever serve the leper? I mean, some of you may think, I got this down. I, I, good for you. I, I think these next few thoughts will be really helpful. We talked last week about this idea of humility and ego, about this greatness versus servitude. I want to talk a little bit more about this this week. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, I have applied all things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. I referenced this book last week. Uh, the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. He basically exposits that verse and works out its practical implications. I want to do a little bit of that here because it's so important for us as we think about this touching the leper. It's tied necessarily to the idea, I must give up my greatness in order to serve the leper. The word here in first in first Corinthians four six that it says that not go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. It's a similar word for pride, and it's interesting that only Paul uses this Greek word for the idea of pride. It's a theme in Paul's writings. He uses it in Corinthians. He uses it in Colossians. The word for pride here literally means, of course the ESV translates it well here, puffed up, but it literally means to be overinflated, swollen, distended beyond its proper size. That's the picture. That your ego would be overinflated, swollen, distended beyond its proper size. 
The quote Keller, it says, It brings to mind a rather painful image of an organ in the human body, an organ that is distended because so much air has been pumped into it, so much air that it's ready to burst, it's swollen, it's inflamed. And that is the condition of this human ego, this desire for greatness that we talked about last week in Mark 10. That our ego is the primary wall between you and the serving of the leper. And as we're talking about this week, the leper inside the camp. Our ego is bent on making itself feel good. That's why even in servitude we have to be careful because we could be what appears to us as serving another person. But if we're doing it to serve our own egos, then usually what happens practically is it gets found out. It's either not the servitude that the person actually needs, or then you realize the person being served realized they were just being used for your good by you. It's bloated, it's distended. It's painful when it gets hit. I like that Keller said this. He goes, uh, or this is like a paraphrase, but he says, do you walk around saying, man, my calf muscle feels great. Anybody do that? Anybody do that? Wow, my calf muscle feels great. Or, wow, my toes are doing wonderful today. No, no, parts of your body only draw attention to themselves when something is wrong. When something is wrong, right, then it screams for attention, right? (laughs) The ego often hurts because something is incredibly wrong with it. I hear things like and say things like, would you stop bringing up my sin? Can't you just forgive me so that we can move on? That's not a heart that's repentant. That's a bloated ego. Or enough has been said about my sin, let's just stop talking about it. That is a bloated ego. Listen, a humble person knows that there will never be enough said about my sinfulness until it's eradicated because I have seen Jesus face to face. That's when enough will have been said about my sin. We we get this false idea that enough could be said about our sin in this arena because we don't realize that the gospel has said everything about our sin. The fullest extent, the reality of the depth of our sin. And that part of living in response to that is recognizing the depth of my sin. But listen, servitude requires a sacrifice of the ego, your plans, your desires to pursue your greatness. Again, referring back to the Mark 10 passage, I told you that was going to come up a bunch today. Think about this question. How hard is it to get through a day without feeling snubbed, ignored, stupid, or getting down on ourselves? How hard is it for you to get through a day without those things? It's a great question Keller asked. Why? Why is it so hard to get through a day like that? Because there is something wrong with our ego. 
And if that's the case, it will always be incredibly busy, always working every moment to make itself feel better, always working every moment toward the end of greatness. And Jesus tells us in Mark 10 that greatness is the antithesis, the search for one's greatness is the antithesis of servitude. You will not reach out and touch the leper if your concern is the risk of losing your greatness. So I think you have to ask the question, what is the greatness you pursue? What is the greatness your ego is after? What's that look like? That's why those examples I listed off, maybe it's your schedule, or maybe it's your reputation, maybe it's this, who knows what it is. But our ego is fragile because it's overinflated. Because it's overinflated, it's in imminent danger of being deflated, being popped. That's why some of us can never serve and can never be served with gracious rebuke. It's because our ego is so inflated that when anyone barely touches it, it pops. If you want to push the example a little further here, like when it pops, the nastiness of our ego gets all over the people around us. We want to be glorious. We want to be worthy. We want to make life happen ourselves the way we want life to happen. Really, the the idea in Mark 10 is that there are two roads. Service unto making your ego more inflated, a.k.a. your greatness, or two, laying down your ego, dying to self for the service of others. Those are the two paths. And if we're going to reach out and touch the leper, we must lay down our ego, dying to self for the service of others. If you're a little worn out from all this ego talk, there's probably a reason. Jesus calls us to lay it down, reach out, and touch the leper. And I get it, it's hard. I mean, who really wants to lay down their selfish desires in order to care for someone else? I mean, who wants to do that? Anybody? You, you want to lay down your selfish desires for the good of somebody else? I can't, lay, I can't raise my hand. I mean, when I'm walking in the Spirit, I can, but that's someone else alive in me, right? But who really wants to have their ego exposed in the process? Because if, listen, To lay something down, to seek the searching of greatness, you have to know what the greatness is that you're searching and the extent to which you're searching it if you're going to lay it down. And so servitude exposes the greatness that we search for because it's required in laying down. Why does Jesus tell the, it's a conversation at dinner last night with my wife, it was a wonderful conversation, but we were talking about you know, Jesus. What, what is the sin that Jesus tells the rich man? When Jesus tells the rich man, if you will come after me, what's he say? Go give away your riches, right? Is he saying that, that we have to live in poverty to be a follower of Jesus? No, Jesus was in tune. He knew the idolatry. He knew the thing that the rich man worshipped that he would need to give up if he was to walk in genuine repentance and love of Jesus exclusively. Give up that and follow him. Listen, servitude shows us the riches that we need to give up in order to follow Jesus. 
It shows, up the, uh, shows us the idolatries in our heart, the greatness that we're searching for in order that we must give up if we're to walk in repentance and follow Jesus in humble servitude. I mean, who really wants to be that inconvenienced? Who really wants to dive that deep into our own sin and have it exposed? Listen to me. We will serve the leper when we realize we are the leper. You and I will serve the leper when we realize we already have the disease. Did you hear me? We will serve the leper when we realize we already have the disease. We are the leper. Listen, leprosy is the Bible's way of giving physical form to the reality of original sin. Leprosy is God's storyline that gives physical reality to the spiritual reality of original sin. Or the, we talk about this way often, the sin nature. A way to put practical phrasing to that sin nature or our drive for our own glory. We have this ego, this evil inside of us that is ever present. See, here's the thing about leprosy. Leprosy was not caused by a particular sin or behavior necessarily. I mean, someone might have been sinning and then caught leprosy, but leprosy was a physical brokenness. Rather, leprosy points to our sin nature, the walking time bomb inside each and every one of us. The ego, the pride, this, this walking time bomb. And listen, the leper, the only solution for the leper was to, was to contain the leper for the protection of the healthy was to remove them from community, was to isolate them so they could not infect the rest of them. One day enjoying relationship, touch, value, and the next day an outcast. But don't you realize that that's the result of our sin nature? Like, I mean, you should begin to see the parallel here. We were born into this world separated from others and from God, an outcast, lonely and broken, unable to heal ourselves. Even those who are outside of the community right now, the community of God right now, who live in their sin apart from the redemption of Jesus Christ, they live in community, feel like they have community, but they don't have real Community, they are still strangers to each other if we understand what real community looks like. But then what happens is through the gospel, God reaches out and touches us. Not every human, but those He chooses to save. He reaches out, touches them, heals them, and brings them in close. That's many of us in this room. He has reached out and brought us in close. But our sin nature is still there. 
This original sin, this time bomb waiting to happen is still there. No longer slaves to it, but it's still there. And so one day we enjoy relationship with God, relationship with others, the joy of serving someone else, and then the next day we're quarantined away from God and our unrighteousness, hurting those around us that we claim to love. Separated from the community of God. You could even practically be someone who walks among the community of God. But the sin that you hold on to, the darkness that you continue to live in, is like holding up a sign saying, leper coming through, leper coming through, don't touch me, leper coming through. The quicker you and I realize that we are damaged goods, that we have this innate drive to puff up our ego, the sooner we realize the extent of this in our lives, the better off we will all be. And certainly the more glorified God will be. We see this, this damaged, this, this puffed up ego in the fall of Satan, right? He wanted to be like God. You see this in the fall of Adam and Eve. Same thing. We want to be like God, discerning what is right and good and evil for ourselves. Listen, leprosy is the Bible's way of giving physical form to the reality of original sin. It's supposed to paint that picture. Even when you go back to Leviticus, why is it so hard on these people and taking them out and declaration of uncleanness and stuff? Because God is painting this picture for what is the reality for all of us. That we're all the lepers. But don't stop there. Next, notice the faith of the leper. Notice the faith of the leper in this passage. Jesus was not visiting a leper colony at this point in his journey. Jesus was not going to the outcast. Now, he will, he does. But he wasn't. The outcast was coming to him. The leper came to Jesus. The man came to him, fell on his face, and begged him. I mean, you understand that this was illegal and dangerous for everyone. 12, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Not just a spot, full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will. He didn't presume upon him. He didn't cry victim to him. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Quoting, it took mountain-moving faith and courage to leave the leper colony and head to the heart of the city to leave the safety of one's culture, one's people, one's appointed place, and go to Jesus. There must have been self-condemnation. I'm a danger to myself and others. I'm breaking the law. I'll hurt those around me. But his faith carried him with courage to the feet of Jesus. We know he had faith. Why? 
Because he calls him Lord. Only the faithful in Scripture used that title for Jesus. Faith in Jesus to do the unthinkable. The leper leaves the colony of lepers with faith in Jesus to do the unthinkable for thousands of years, for all of their known history, to do the unthinkable. He could face arrest, public health, a mob even. He knew, listen, that leper knew he had no hope apart from Jesus healing him. He had no hope. He knew that he was damaged goods. But do you see the humility and the faith of the leper in this passage? I am broken. I am without hope. My ego's crushed. It's all gone. I believe Jesus can heal me. I believe Jesus can save me. I believe Jesus can change my life. The leper bears the image of Christ better than most of us in this room. What does it look like to have the faith of the leper? What's it look like to have... Listen, if you know you're a damaged goods, then you don't have to save face. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together. The reality is everyone around you can see your sores anyways. You just don't think they can. So why are you so afraid to reach out and touch the leper? What's stopping you? If you know that you're damaged goods and that Jesus heals, then you know that there will never be enough said about my sin. We think, I got this sin. I said I'm sorry, had a cute little conversation about it. Now it's all done. But do we realize how deep these things run inside of us? A person with leprosy knows that they have to be healed from the inside out. They know that it's going to take time to be cured. A person who has faith in Jesus' healing power knows these things. If we're to walk like the leper, the faith of the leper, there's two pieces, right? I am broken. I have this puffed up ego, this distended painful thing inside of me. And I can't stand the hurt that my ego causes me, that it causes other people. And I can't stand the dishonor that it brings to my God. The only one worthy of the greatness that I pursue for myself. And then on the other side, He can heal. He can heal me. Jesus reached out and touched the leper. Listen, do you believe that Jesus can reach out and is willing to reach out and touch you, a leper? Some of us don't realize we're lepers. So why would Jesus need to touch me? 
Some of us realize we're lepers, but don't think that God wants to touch us. Listen, he said, if I could put words into the situation, he said in that instance to the leper, I could lose everything I have right now. If I get your disease, I will be an outcast for you. If I get your disease, I'll suffer abandonment for you. If I get your disease, I'll leave the camp for you. I will lay down my life so that you can pick up yours. Jesus says to the leper, I will serve your brokenness. And listen, when we realize we are the broken leper and that, and, and, that Jesus can heal, you'll be able to reach out and touch the leper. He asked the question, well, wow, Jesus, what? This picture of Jesus touching the leper and how does he, he doesn't get leprosy but he heals this person. Listen, it's all a part of the, it's all a part of God's incredible picture. Listen, Jesus can start this contagious grace because he was never touched by leprosy. Because Jesus never had original sin. He could start something new. He could reach in and heal the leper because he was untouched by the same thing the leper, by the thing the leper had. Jesus was never entangled in his ego. He never had the sin that distorts or distracts or manipulates. And when he died on the cross, he gave us the power to overcome the same sin. Quoting Miss Butterfield, she says this, He gave His blood to wash away our sins. He gave us His word to instruct and heal us. And He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us in conviction and repentance of sin and to comfort us by the assurance that His saving love is rock solid, but he did not leave us there. He did not leave us there. He did not leave us there, little isolated agents of grace running our own random acts of kindness campaign. No, he gave us the bride, the church, his church, to which we who believe are called to make a covenant of membership, to become a family. Right? What is that? It's the opposite of what's happening to the leper. An outcast, an individual separated from God and separated from God's people. But God doesn't leave us even at healing us of our leprosy and sending us free from our sinfulness and our sin nature. But he then brings us a step further into community with himself and with God's people. She continues, to become a family, to belong, to be touched to take care in daily ways of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to receive instruction and rebuke when needed, to support the pastor and elders in church discipline, to act like a visible family of God. 
and to draw others who do not yet know the pricey love of God into our homes, families, and churches. End quote. He did not leave us, I love her phrase, to run our own random acts of kindness campaigns, but to be a part of a community that reaches out to the leper. But here's part of the point for this morning, is if you can't reach out and touch the leper inside the camp, we're going to have a real hard time touching the leper outside. Why? Because at least in part, it reveals our lack of knowing that one, we are the leper. And two, Jesus can heal. I think caring for the leper among us is hard. We cannot obey until we ourselves have received the grace of God and picked up our cross, laying down our ego, laying down our idols. But listen, it's in death to self and life to Christ that we find the liberty to obey. And when Jesus' greatness outshines the greatness you're seeking for your ego, it will set you free with arms wide open. Let's pray. Father, may... May you help us see, please help us see. May we have eyes to see, give us eyes to see, hearts to feel that we are the broken leper. We're the leper in the story. We're not, we're not just the, the people watching. We're the leper in the story. The disciples around Jesus, newly chosen disciples, are the leper. And one of Jesus' first things he does with his disciples is he heals the leper. I pray that you just give us eyes to see that you can heal a leper. Give us faith to believe that. That we may run to you, throw ourselves at your feet, and say, if you will, if you will, I believe you can heal me. If you will, I believe you can heal me. Father, it's not until we get to that point that we will faithfully serve the lepers around us. Father, please, guide our hearts to these things. It's in Jesus' name.